Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week we're going to be discussing the violet flame. What is it? What's the history behind it? And how you can use it in your meditation practice for healing and well-being and spiritual advancement. Denise, have you always worked with the violet flame or is it something that is new to you? I probably about, let's see, this is 2018, about 10 years ago is when I started working with the violet flame and I was taking a shamanic training class and we were taught to, um, when you pull out any negativity from someone, you know, metaphysically, when you're doing shamanic work, you would burn it in the violet flame. So that led, opened that door a little bit and I did more research over the years and you know the connection with St. Germain and, and other aspects of it. It's a very powerful energy. It really is. I, I'm very similar to you. I first learned about it during my Reiki training. When you get your Reiki masters, they teach you, they call it Reiki surgery, but it's a way to pretty much do what you just explained, where you pull negative energy out of someone's energy or chakras, and you would transmute it in the violet flame. So it's a very powerful meditation practice. I think everybody would do well to at least research and study um, and consider using. It's often been called the cosmic eraser, the light of mercy and forgiveness. It's long been connected to the high frequency vibration of purple light. And if you don't mind, could I take like a two-minute diversion into science before we jump into the violet flame? I would love that. Okay. So here is Science Hour brought to you by Samantha Fay. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to a couple of different science websites to try to explain this because I find this really, really fascinating. Science has shown us that of the colors we can see with our eye, violet has the highest frequency. It sits on the edge of the spectrum beyond our physical vision. So we can see the colors of the rainbow with our physical eye from red to violet. But science believes, and I believe they may have proven, although that's a difficult word to use, maybe they have just shown that there are other colors beyond the spectrum that we can see. What we can see is called the visible light spectrum. These are the electromagnetic spectrums that the human eye can see. It's a range of wavelengths that we can detect. The Nassau Science Site says that all electromagnetic radiation is light, but we can only see a small portion of this. We have these cone-shaped cells in our eyes that receive light in this narrow band of wavelengths. As the full spectrum of visible visible light travels through a prism, the wavelengths separate into the colors of the rainbow. Each color is a different wavelength. So violet is the shortest wavelength but has the highest frequency. Red is the longest wavelength but has the shortest frequency. So there's a lot of interesting discussion on colors that we can see. I first heard about this, Denise, in that documentary, What the Bleep Do We Know? Uh Uh-huh probably been years since you've seen it. I haven't seen it in a long time. But I remember there is a scene when they talked about how when Columbus was coming over with his three ships, the Native Americans here, they couldn't see the ships because they had never seen ships like that. But the shaman of the of the group who was up high and was meditating and was spiritual and all that good stuff, he saw them. And wow. so there's that documentary guys go watch it i'm pretty sure it's still on netflix if you haven't seen it it's fascinating they were saying that 
oftentimes our sight is very, very limited. And it makes me think about when you read about near-death experiences, what's the first thing they always talk about? How they can't describe the colors. Haven't you read that over and over? Over and over. Yeah, that there's flowers and... Yep. Everything is so different and intense and the words that are used, there are no words, but they'll say it's so spectacular or it's so vivid or it's so crisp or the colors are like nothing I've ever seen. That's always, always come up. And what's really interesting, there's a lot of talk that the ancient Greeks couldn't see the colors blue or green the way we do. Homer, for example, described the ocean as having the darkness of wine. And he often described the sky as iron or bronze. Hmm. So a lot of people think that as we evolve as a species, our ability to detect these different wavelengths also expands and evolves so that possibly there are colors beyond the violet light that are out there and we just can't perceive them. Right now, the highest frequency, shortest wavelength color that we can perceive with the naked eye is the violet light. And so a lot of people look at the violet light as almost like this this gateway to our spiritual development and that just by calling on the violet light we can accelerate and expand our spiritual development that's a lot of information but it's very useful because i think whenever we can pull science or history or tangible things into you know the juju world as i as i kind of tend to call it i think it gives it more credence and more uh validity than when we're just talking, oh, and then I kind of pulled something out of someone and dropped it in a violet flame. And I saw this meme online the other day, and it was said if someone, something along the lines of if someone could hear the conversations we'd have, they'd put us in a mental hospital. Because I think some people listening to this might think, oh my gosh, not so much this conversation, but some that we have, or some that we, you know, all of you that are listening, you'll get, you'll fall down the rabbit hole talking about things that are so real and true to us. So when we can support it with something that someone who may be a little more linear sequential can understand, I think it's helping to build that bridge between the two. I agree. I'm going to um, destroy that bridge in my next sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll I'll get the plunger ready. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's um, a really neat chapter. I believe it's in Trojan Horse by John Keel. Mm -hmm. He really goes into detail and depth on the science stuff behind the wavelength that the human eye can perceive. And he devotes an entire chapter to a theory that UFOs possibly have figured out a way to fly in our skies that does not penetrate that narrow band of wavelength that we can perceive. Hmm. And that's why because think about it, if light is all uh, frequency and sound is all frequency, but we have a very narrow band of perceiving that frequency to make it easy for people like me, let's say the frequency goes from 10 to 20, and we can only see things that fall in the range of 10 to 20. Well, he was saying in that book, what if some UFOs have figured out a technology where their sound and light frequency is below 10 or above 20? Right. Makes perfect sense. It does. And, and so that might explain why some people see them and some people don't. And why the ones who do see them tend to be spiritually awakened. 
Hmm. I think that would make a very interesting topic for another show. The whole UFO yeah. and aliens and other energies and other planes, because there seems to be a lot going on with that right now, but a lot more people are discussing it, aware of it. Uh, I, I think there's something to that. If by any chance we have an eye doctor listening to the show, I would love to hear <laughs> from him or her. Yes. Really, I would, because I don't understand it, and I've tried to do the research, and I don't have that linear sequential brain. I need the dummies guidebook to all of this stuff. But I've read that our cones and rods in our eyes, that they develop slowly. And when we're born, I think it's like zero to four, they're at one stage. And as we learn to see and we learn to label what we're seeing and we develop and our cells develop, that those rods and cones narrow. And that that's one explanation for why kids tend to see ghosts more often than adults. And I would be really interested to see if there's any research on colorblindness. I have mm. someone here to me who cannot tell the difference between red and orange. You can hold up two things that are very, very red, very, very orange. And this poor person gets a, such a confused look and says, I red? No, it's orange, right? Cannot see the difference between the two. And someone else that I used to know years ago it was blues and greens. They couldn't see. So I wonder if we go back to what you said earlier about describing the, you know, the sky was iron and this maybe was colorblind. True. Very, very true. If that's one of the reasons why a lot of spiritually in tuned people can see stuff out of their peripheral vision because the way the rods and cones develop is they focus forward. And since it's all energy and vibration, as we raise our vibration, we're going to open up to things that are on the periphery more than we may if we're stuck wearing blinders and thinking that A always leads to B. Exactly. Now, unfortunately, I have a very nice eye doctor, but he sees me and my three daughters, and I can't imagine walking into his nice office and saying, hey, <laughs> Dr. Schmidt, could you explain to me, is there a way that people can see ghosts if their rods and cones aren't developed? <laughs> He might no longer can hear insurance. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. That concludes my weird science hour. No, but I love the weird science because I think it's so relevant. And again, I like things that give things validity, that they give things that we could you can use those facts. Like if we're trying to convince someone that all of this is real, right? And it is I, just need, I need to ground this stuff in reality. That's really important yes. to me. That's a good way to put it. That's an excellent way to put it. Because yeah. it's not, I was doing a reading a couple days ago, and it was someone I had never met before, and it was face-to-face. -face, and I just was myself. And she just started to laugh. And I said, what? And she said, I don't know how to say this. And I said, what? And she said, well, you're just so normal. And I laughed. I said, well, thank you. I don't hear that very often, so thank you. And she left. And she says, no, I've had other readings. And it was all wispy and airy. And it wasn't, it, and it, she said, it didn't work for me. So I think that's, anyone that's listening that's doing this work, just be you. It doesn't have to be, well, anyway, that's, again, a story. We can go into another direction because I'm drifting way far away from the violet flame right now. And this is our topic. So. <laughs> no, I think that's again. a really good point. I, we, we're going to talk 
a little bit further into this show about really questioning information that you read and study and learn and are told and using discernment. So that's a really good point, and we will get back to that. Uh, but for now, let's talk about what the violet flame can do for you. Now, there's a doctor named Dr. Bernard Jensen who's known as someone that's very into metaphysics, and he's quoted as saying, the vibratory rate of the violet flame brings out all we need in order to put the body into harmony. Thinking of a person, praying for a person, and projecting thoughts in the purple flame has a great amount of good. I love that, by the way, but it also the whole point of working with the violet flame is about mercy and forgiveness and freedom and transformation and about maybe being able to to change detrimental energy into something more beneficial. If you're being adversely influenced by, you know, impulses or thoughts or energy from the collective, which seems very, very strong right now, using the violet flame can help, help you transmute that and make it gentler in your own system. Yes. And so what you want to think of if you're meditating, we're going to go through the steps of how to do this. What you want to think of is you don't want to imagine just a purple light around you. You want to imagine a flame. Like if you stare at the center of a candle and you really, really stare at the flame of that candle, you will see a violet light in that center. And that's what you want to imagine is, is a flame of violet light going through your body and burning up, not in a painful way, but in a spiritual way, anything negative that is not working towards your highest good. You can use the violet flame meditation to heal past lives to heal your karma, and to heal your family karma. Now, I really like that idea, Denise, because sometimes I will get questions from people who will say, no one in my family has had financial success, or everyone in my family has had a tragedy, or something like that. And they'll end the question with, are we cursed? Mm -hmm. And I don't really believe in curses. I believe in the power of belief behind a curse. I believe in the power of family karma. I believe in the power of beliefs that are taught to succeeding generations. You know what just flashed in my mind when you said that was medieval times where there would be sorcerers, there would be people who would cast spells or place curses or whatever. And if you get into family lineage where stories have been passed down, that family, have we been cursed, could have been either a cellular memory or something that's been passed down throughout the family and, until you lose the thread of where it even started. Right, exactly. And so I do believe that a family can teach their generations that come after them all sorts of weird stuff that can be continued all along. You know, mm -hmm. for example, my, my in-laws are very hard-working, salt-of-the-earth type people. And they look at people who have money with kind of an attitude of, you don't work hard for it, or you should share it more, or you should give all of that to the church. Contempt. And so, yeah, that's kind of a strong word. But No, I'm just, maybe that, that's very cautious. familiar to my upbringing. So I, I understand yeah. this implicitly. Yeah, and I think that that gets passed on to the succeeding generations, that all people who have money are bad, selfish, greedy, fill in the blank. Well, if you're raised with that belief, how the hell are you going to manifest money? Right. 
Um, let's say your parents went through a terrible, tragic divorce and they never spoke to each other and it was fighting all of the time. How are you supposed to believe in love for yourself if that's what you were raised with? Mm-hmm. You know that old adage, do as I say, not as I do? Right. Children learn from what their parents or grandparents do, not from what they say. And so it's a nice idea to think that the violet flame can kind of burn off any of those connections or cellular beliefs that have been ingrained in us that are harming our highest good. The point is, because it's such a high frequency vibration, that it actually helps to transform that negativity into light. And then light can be dispelled back into that into all that is, I mean, truly, because that's our goal is to raise the vibration and and have more light, or it's my goal anyway. Try to recreate that beautiful sentence you said before we started recording about the alchemy of gold. Oh, yeah. Well, when we were talking about the history of this, and it's just, it's always been, you can do the research on that, and it's very fascinating. But the alchemists, you know, turning lead into gold, and there was it was saying also, but it's about spirituality and people turning that negativity in themselves, that lead, that's the lead inside of us. And when we turn it to gold, it's returning to divinity and spirituality. So there's a really, um, it's metaphoric, but it's also a nice way to look at it because it all comes back to how we, we process and choose, and choose is a big word there, choose to hold on to emotional impacts in our life. That's the true alchemy that we're trying to do in this incarnation. Yes. Now, I was thinking, you know, when you're a kid and you learn, if you mix this color and this color, it makes that color. Yes. Red and blue make purple, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Red is root chakra, lower chakra stuff, and blue is higher chakra stuff. Blue is the throat chakra and the third eye chakra and the the deep purple of the crown chakra. And so I wonder if the violet flame is kind of a way to combine all of our chakra colors in one harmonious aligned energy. That's a really, really good point because when we raise our chakras, when we we raise our energy or raise our power or however, when you pull it up through and and light up each chakra, you spin, I light up, however you choose to to, um, empower your, your chakra system, I don't know about you, but I always come up through violet and then go into white. But I come through and I pull it all up through until it goes into violet and then into white, into just infinity, actually. Exactly. Because the color white encompasses all the colors. Right. Okay. So if you Google the violet flame and do some of your own research, you will find that the violet flame has been around for millennia. I mean, yogis and adepts and Hindus and shamans and all sorts of spiritual leaders have talked about and taught people how to use the violet flame. I think that's important to know that this predates a lot of our current religions and metaphysics studies. But when you Google it, you will come across a lot of stuff connected to, I think it's called Summit Lighthouse, Elizabeth Clare Prophet and Guy Ballard. And I've read some of her works early on, I think in the 90s, and I did some research. There's some sketchy stuff around these people in this group. I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's false. I'm just saying, just as a a caution, whenever you are doing any metaphysical studies, 
make sure to do your research on who is telling you that this is true and make sure you check in with your higher self and see that it is in alignment with who you are. I think that is so, so huge. And that, if you're looking around and saying, this doesn't feel right to me, please, please, please honor that. Put that beautifully in the sense of just don't blindly drink the Kool-Aid. Exactly. Don't accept everything you read. You want to question it, you want to research it, and you want to research the research you do on that as well. And really get to the source of who said this. I think it's, again, like I was saying with the science hour, ground everything you are learning in reality and check your facts, check who is saying this, and see if their teachings, their life, their biography is in alignment with who you want to be and what you want to learn and how you want to grow. And if it's not, dismiss it. And don't you find, though, even because we've both discussed openly that we love reading about other mediums and we love reading their story and how their path came to be, some just really feel so right and true. It's like, oh my gosh, I want to know more about this person. I want to study with them or I want to, yes, this is the way I do it too. So equally, if you have that strong connection when you're doing your research, follow that up in, in, in that light as well, because there's usually a very positive connection involved. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's another reminder that you have to check your ego at the door when you do this work and you have to practice daily psychic protection. Because if you study the lives of a lot of spiritual leaders, you will often find a lot of ego, a lot of injustice, a lot of bad stuff. Right. And I think that can happen when you don't check your ego at the door and when you make this work about money or fame, or profit. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my little uh, caution there for when you do your own violet flame research. And there are a ridiculous amount of uh, meditations on YouTube. There are pages and pages and pages of violet flame. And, and again, a lot link back to, uh, the Summit Lighthouse situation, but it might come up in different ways or some very scripted things. So please honor you first and foremost with this work or any work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't use those meditations. I don't use the I am stuff. It just doesn't sit with me. I don't use it. Now, that's interesting because when I write affirmations in the whole Wayne Dyer work of I am and Louise Hay of I am that you start out and, and it's in the Bible, I am. So there's power to that, but I think, because it's funny you said that, because I, that's exactly how I felt when I read those. It's like, I'm not going to say this. This doesn't feel right to me. And it, it felt too scripted, and it felt almost, um, again, like there should be a nice, nice berry Kool-Aid on the side with it. Well, I think they've been accused of being a cult. Oh. Yeah. Protect yourself is, is a great, great, great... Um, way to look at it and self-care protect yourself and question everything question everything and do your own research and check in with your own intuition okay so i'm going to talk about how i do a violet flame meditation and then i'd love to hear how you do yours and and if it differs okay so what i like to do is i go into a meditation where i just sit in silence and if thoughts come 
or I get distracted, I just keep sitting through that. And I just try to relax my body. A good way to do that is to start at your head and just squeeze your, like squeeze your eyes tight and release, pull your shoulders up to your ears and release, squeeze your hands tight, tight into fist and shake it out. Uh, just squeeze all of your muscles all the way down to your toes. That's a good way to kind of get you into this physically relaxed mode that you need to be in to do the violet flame meditation. And then what I do is I imagine tree roots coming out from the soles of my feet and going down, down, down into the soil of the earth below me to really thoroughly ground my energy. I call on my highest guides and my highest angels to surround me while I'm doing the violet flame meditation. Sometimes I will stare at a candle flame to start the visualization. Often I will just close my eyes and I will imagine myself sitting inside a big flame of violet energy. I always see this purple light encased in the white light, like you were saying before, Denise. So it's the purple light surrounded by the white light. And I think it's also important to really imagine your body filling with this light. Like I imagine it soaking into my muscles and my organs and my bones. And then I breathe deeply throughout all of this. I imagine myself inhaling violet light and exhaling violet light. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll imagine myself inhaling the purple light and exhaling black smoke to emphasize that I'm releasing anything that is negative and no longer serving me. And I'll keep doing that visualization until I can see myself inhaling violet light and exhaling violet light. And then what I do is as I'm breathing this energy in and seeing it fill my body, then I expand it and I imagine it going below my feet, about six, seven feet below me, above my head, really, really, really high, like up into the sky, and then around my whole body, front, sides, and back. Oftentimes, it depends on the intention for that visualization. Sometimes I will just imagine it burning away anything that is bothering me in that moment. It's nice sometimes. My One of my daughters falls asleep to this app that's a crackling fire. Did you know there's an app for the crackling fire, Denise? I didn't realize that. <laughs> it's very comforting and she likes it. It puts her to sleep. Sometimes I will play that sound so that I can imagine any negative karma just coming off of me and crackling and burning in the violet flame. But, you know, you do you, you do what works for you. And then I will imagine it healing any blocks in my chakras, any cords that are not for my highest good. I ask for those to be transmuted by the violet flame. And I just keep doing that visualization until I can hold it for about 15 minutes. And then I just see it kind of pulling in around me and feeling me in the white light. And then I open my eyes and I go on with my day. It's very, that's a very in-depth way. It's very different too, which I love. Because that's, uh, and see, this, this is a perfect example of how we get to the same place, but we use our tools a little differently sometimes. Because for me, I always look at it, the violet flame as separate from me. I don't see it as internalized. And mm -hmm. 
I, what I've done in the past, and, and I haven't done this in a while, and it's probably about time to do it, is I go to the upper world or I, I do a guided meditation or I visualize or, or do it with a drum beat or whatever and go to the upper world. And I go into, there's a, once you, you know, when you visualize things, you can keep going back to the same place over and over again. And I'm in, that's why my clairvoyance is so, so strong is because my, my visualization is, is my strongest strength. And I will go up to this big temple and see, and it's very, it's always the same place. There's the same people standing at the door. It's the same ritual of going in. And then there's this huge, huge, like in the center of this very big room, there's this giant violet flame. And I've used this also in smaller capacities, you know, just as a quick thing, you can visualize a quick uh, violet flame. It doesn't have to be as time consuming as ornate as, as what I'm describing. And then I will, I'll visualize my guides and angels around there. I'll see, uh, you know, Archangel Michael for protection. I'll see St. Germain and I'll see this group around this circle. And then I'll release and throw things into this flame to, to burn it to whether it's um, restrictions, limitations, fear-based stuff, uh, worry and stress about something, and I'll throw it into the flame and ask it to be dispelled and ask for that healing to come back. So it's, it's a different process, but I always feel better after I do it because I think a lot of the work we do is about releasing that negativity, that fear, that dark, that things that keeps us dense and heavy so that we can raise up and, and vibrate at that higher frequency that we really want to, uh, it makes life more enjoyable. And also it's using our dream team. They want to help us get rid of this stuff. Uh, so also another thing is if it's kind of silly, but it does work is you can visualize like a violet flame. If you're in a work environment, say, and there's someone comes in and slimes you energetically is in your mind's eye, visualize taking that, like peeling that off of you and throwing it into the violet flame. Like picture your wastebasket at work with a little violet flame in there. Energetically pull this stuff off, throw it into the flame, watch it crackle and go up. I mean, it takes a bing, a couple seconds. Always, and I learned this years ago is make sure you put the flame out or ask it to go down. Don't leave that burning in the, in the wastebasket. So there's a lot of different techniques, but for me, the violet flame is more of a tool to, to help me to really, truly erase and eradicate negativity or heavy, dense things in my life. So you always see it as separate from you? Up until this point, yes, I have. I've never, really I've never seen it like burning inside of me. I've always seen it as an outside force. But it's a very unique, whenever I see it, I always see it as the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And see, I think this proves two things. One is you have to find your own way that works for you. And two, it's all about intent. Yes. If you intend to release the negativity, it doesn't matter if you use the I am decree, if you pull the violet flame into you, or if you imagine it near you and you're throwing stuff into it. It's all about your intent. But you have to ask. It's all there. It's all there waiting for you. But if you don't ask, you're not going to receive it. Right. You know, I have a really odd example that just popped into my head that I'll use. You know, we went through Hurricane Florence and I had 12 giant Leland Cypress trees fall on my house. I filed a claim with my insurance company and they sent me a check for like $212 to replace, I think it was like 70 shingles. <laughs> Oh my goodness. 
And so I requested a reinspection, and, and anyway, I fought really, really hard, and I finally got them to approve a new roof. Now, the money was always there. The insurance company has the money to fix my roof, but I had to ask for it. I had to intend for it. I had to ask for it. They weren't going to call me up and say, Miss Faye, we understand that you had some significant damage in Hurricane Florence, and we'd like to help you. What can we do? How much do you need? You know, I had to get four estimates. I had to submit three. I had to send photos. I had to write letters. I had to ask and ask and ask, and then I got. And it's just kind of a reminder that in real life and in spiritual energy work, if you don't ask, you're not going to get. And so it doesn't, and I'm not saying that this is all about getting something for yourself. I'm just using that as a simple phrase. But all of that beautiful work is out there. All that positive, happy, healing, helpful energy is out there. But because of the law of free will, you're not going to be given it just because you're you. You have to intend it, visualize it, and ask for it. And that's true for anything in life and in the spiritual realm. Right. And highest and best. Always throw that in on the end, highest and best. And that's always a good reminder, too. Am I doing this to to heal, to help, to make things better, or am I doing this in a self-serving way? Yes. And read, um, I keep mentioning her, we, I would love to have her on the show, uh, Lynn McTaggart's work. She has mm-hmm. done so much science and beautiful research on the power of usual, using visualization and meditation to not only heal yourself, but to heal others in the world. Right. And one of the things I kept reading when I was studying the violet flame for this show was that you can use it to clear negative energy in your home, in your car, where you work, in your neighborhood, in your country, in the world. And so that's another beautiful meditation to do is to just imagine this violet flame surrounding your whole neighborhood or your children's school, whatever is meaningful to you. And why not just hold a little miniature globe in your hand? and meditate and see it surrounded by this violet flame and see it transmuting all negative energy into something positive. You might hold that little globe in your hand and think, the heck am I going to do with this? And how, how is one person in one city in one state in one country going to help? But if you read Lynn McTaggart's work, whether it's the power of aid or all of her work on frequency and intention, you will see that study after study after study proves that it only takes a couple of people praying for positive intentions for it to have a significant impact. Right. Very, very well put. Now, I don't know if everyone is like me, but I get busy and I forget sometimes to do the violet flame meditation. Mm-hmm. Unless I make it a habit, I forget it's there for me. I will, you know, because I've made cleaning my chakras a habit, that's something I do as rotely as I brush my teeth or take a shower. But I don't make the violet flame meditation a habit, and so oftentimes I will forget. So what I will do when I'm really, you know, setting good intentions and working hard to keep myself energetically cleansed and and vibrating at the highest frequency possible is I will wear an amethyst bracelet or a necklace or I'll just tuck an amethyst in my pocket just as a reminder 
to step up my spiritual practice and do that violet flame meditation more frequently. And so if you're like me, where you get busy and forgetful and you get caught up in the dailiness of life, it might be helpful for you too to have some type of a reminder around you to just remember, oh yeah, I do have this tool. I need to use it. That's excellent. Because we do, we have so many different things we can use, but I agree with you. I rarely, even as we talked about discussing this as a show topic, I had to really look in my own window and say, wow, I haven't done this in a long time and it's exactly what I need right now. Right. I tend to do it when, you know, like if I have a cold or some like physical ailment, I will always do the violet flame meditation or if something spooky happens to me metaphysically, like if I see something out of the corner of my eye, I will do a violet flame meditation. But I have not made it part of my weekly routine of energy cleansing. And it's something that I am intending to do more of, which is one of the reasons why we did this as a show, because I wanted to remind myself of the importance of it. I know that when I do do it, and when I do it with some consistency, I definitely see a difference in my life and in my energy and in my attitude. Mm-hmm. And especially as we go into the holiday season, what better time to try a violet flame meditation? Yes. And I want to make it clear too. We get a lot of emails. Um, I don't like to meditate. How do you How do you meditate? What do I What should I do to meditate? All sorts of questions on meditation. There are books on meditation, and there are workshops and week long classes you can take. And I think all of that is great and helpful and wonderful. But don't make it this big thing. Taking a walk with your dog down the street is a meditation. Washing the dishes mindfully is a meditation. Folding laundry with care is a meditation. Drawing, knitting, cooking is a meditation. So don't think that you've got to learn the whole technique I described or the whole technique Denise described or read a book on the violet flame. and No. If you're just driving to work, Don't close your eyes. (laughs) But while you're driving to work, you can just meditate and visualize this violet flame going through your whole body, filling up your car. You can send it to your office before you get there and have it fill up your whole office and burn away any negativity before you even walk in the door. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be this ritualistic, big, long thing. I just think so many people hype up this stuff in their head. Well, I got to learn this first, or I need to research that, or I've got to get that rock first. No, it's all about intention and visualization. And just just do it. Yeah, do it consistently. Don't copy someone else's method. Do your own and just practice it and see if you notice a difference in your life. I'm not saying, you know, the love of your life is going to call you tomorrow and say, oh my gosh, I just realized I love you. I'm not saying you're going to win the lottery tonight. It's not that. It's subtle, but just as significant shifts where you might wake up in the morning and just feel happier for no reason. You might go throughout your day and have more energy and you're like, where'd that come from? I only slept five hours. You might go through a whole day and have no snafu. For me, it's a very peaceful and empowering work to do. It's, it's release, it's freedom, it's letting go of, of things that aren't necessary or helpful in our lives. Yes, and it's also empowering because it reminds us that even though negative 
crap can happen to us. It does not have to stay with us or define us. And I think that's important to remember. A lot of people hold on to hurt because it's hard. And a lot of people look at the metaphysical and religious and spiritual work on forgiveness and they think, I'm not going to forgive that person. I'm not going to say that was okay. That was right. When you do a violet flame meditation, it is called the flame of mercy and forgiveness. And I do think it's important to remember forgiving someone for hurting you. Think about the words for giving. It's not, it's not forgiving them peace or making amends with them. It's not forgiving them this, you know, card out, this, oh, it doesn't matter. I forgive you. Forgiveness Mm -hmm. is all about forgiving you peace, forgiving you validation, forgiving you release. And so forgiving someone for hurting you does not mean you're saying, oh, that's okay. I got over it. It's in the past. It's not saying what you did didn't matter. I'm over it. I'm so spiritual. I, I rose above that. It's not about that at all. Using prayer or the violet flame for forgiveness is about giving yourself that sense of empowerment where you say to that person or that job or that situation, you no longer have power over me. I am releasing you. I am setting you free. I am setting myself free. I am no longer beholden to this hurt or this pain. I always, whenever I do a forgiveness meditation, I always thank the pain before I set it free. Because God knows I've learned a lot more from the pain in my life than the happy, fun days. Although I love those much more. (laughs) Yeah, I always thank for the lesson and for the healing. So I think it's the same difference, just but but having some gratitude that you're on the other side of it and you made it through is, is a big part of the healing as well. I agree. I also think working with the violet flame helps to accelerate your intuitive development. It's a powerful way to awaken and strengthen your third eye. We also have gotten lots of emails from people who will say, okay, I tried meditation, I closed my eyes, I tried to focus, and all I saw was this bright purple light and it scared the crap out of me. What happened? Did I do something wrong? (laughs) I love to get those emails because I will always write back and say, you did nothing wrong, you did everything right. That's your third eye opening. It always surprises me, though, because I see that purple light almost every time I meditate. Do you see that, too? Uh, once in a while. Not, not consistently, no. It's just this, like, uh, solid, very, very violet purple color. And it's really bright, and I, I get so excited when I see it. I always see it right in my third eye. Because when you meditate to open your third eye, in case you might not know, you, you're supposed to close your eyes. And with your eyes closed, look up, mm-hmm. not all the, the way up. But your up. forehead. Yes. It kind, of, it kind of hurts me sometimes to do that. I know that sounds odd, but it's, it's not an easy thing for me to do. But when I can close my eyes and just look up and I can hold it for a minute, I will see that purple light. And it always makes me wonder, Denise, if the color of the third eye is indigo, which is a dark velvety blue, mm-hmm. why do I always see purple there? Good point. Maybe it's the crown chakra shining in. I don't know. But I know I'm not alone because you read about it in books and I've gotten lots and lots of emails from listeners who see that purple light as well. So that is just a sign that your third eye is open. 
And if you can hold that and hold that light as you're staring up at it, it strengthens that third eye. Another little trick with third eye meditation is close your eyes, focus in between your brow. So just above your brow line, you focus there with both eyes and visualize an actual eye, like a, a, a picture of an eye in your, in your mind's eye. <laughs> Sounds kind of funny. And see it open. See, see the lid rise. See the color of that eye. See, and then when you're done with the meditation, visualize closing that lid, closing that eye. And I've, that people have had success with that as well with, for a third eye meditation to open that up and get more clarity. Yeah, I think that's a great visual. And I think it's good if you are trying to open your third eye with the violet flame to visualize that color in a variety of different ways. One of the things that I do is I will imagine myself ascending a mountain and it's a beautiful day and it's sunny and there's lots of flowers and greenery around me and it's an easy climb. And when I get to the top of the mountain, there's a crystal cave. And I always imagine it as an amethyst cave. Mm-hmm. And I only have the key. And the key's always just magically around my waist, like, uh, like on a key thing. And I open up the cave, and there's just this dark amethyst cave. And then I blow on an unlit candle, and the whole thing lights up. And that symbolically lights up and awakens my third eye. That's a very cool visual. Yeah, I really like it. I enjoy it. And it's, I do it so frequently. That's the one thing I do before every reading that it's almost more real to me than the room I'm sitting in now. You know, when you, when you visit somewhere again and again and again like that. Um, and then I spend some time kind of walking around the cave. I run my fingers along the walls of the geodes of the amethyst and I just feel the energy pulsating through me. And then I, I sit down on a lavender purple pillow cushion. There's a pillow cushion in front of me. And to the right, I imagine a crystal bridge to the other side. And that's when I invite my clients, guides, and, and people from the other side to come through and talk to me. Mm-hmm. Very, that cool. works, Very useful. Yeah, and that works for me. It might not work for you. It might not, you know, everyone has to find their own way. I know Deb on our, my other podcast, Psychic Teachers, she can't do a mountain. She's connected to the ocean. So she goes to the ocean always. And as soon as she's sitting at that ocean, she knows, she sends out that intention, I am ready to receive. And just as the ocean waves come in, she receives that energy and, those, and that guidance. And so you have to find what works for you. You have to find your, your happy place. But I like the combination, you know, obviously I love crystals. So I like to use the amethyst cave because it combines the violet flame with my love of crystals. Very well put. Thank you. Well, do you think we've covered it all for the Violet Flame for today? I do. And, and again, there is a plethora of information on the internet with meditations, with videos, with websites. So Yes. And so just try it and report back to us if you get a moment. We'd love to hear if the Violet Flame meditation worked for you or how it impacted or affected you. Um, I think other listeners would enjoy hearing that too. Don't forget, you can always reach out to us by emailing us. Uh, um, you can email us at enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. You can also send us a message on our Facebook page, Enlightened Empaths. If you like the show, please consider subscribing on iTunes and taking a moment to leave us a review. It helps other people to find us. And in the meantime, we hope that you always remember to show up, do great work, and share your light. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye.